The Rigger Gambling Feed is back every Monday. Join myself, Joe House, Raheem Palmer, and John Dostoevsky for East Coast Bias. Sunday's action recap and our favorite bets for Monday Night Football. Then on Tuesday, we got the Roster Diamond Show where I'll break down everything you need to know in the betting world. Plus, the East Coast Bias Boys will be back on Thursday to help you get your betting card sorted ahead of all the NFL action. And then on Fridays, it's me back with Warren Sharp, deep diving into the analytics. So be sure to subscribe on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the mismatch presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states or 18 plus in D.C. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by USAA Homeowners Insurance. USAA has homeowners insurance that could lead the league in assists. Serving our military veterans and their eligible family members, USAA delivers award-winning service and peace of mind. And if you file a claim, the process is transparent and easy, and you can do it all right in the USAA app. Tap the banner or visit usaa.com slash homeowners to learn more and get a quote. Restrictions apply. Welcome to the Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon, and joining me as he does every Monday night from the ringer.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Camera, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Conflict, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin O'Blizzarian, Kevin but are the players gonna care? Are they gonna care? I'll tell you this. This first game of the in-season tournament knockout round between Indiana and Boston is what we just watched. So we were recording this portion of the podcast right when it's fresh, right after we watched it. We record the second uh, part of the podcast after we watch Pelicans and Kings. Um, My God, that was better than we could have ever anticipated it being. A level of intensity uh, that was there the entire game a crowd that was obviously super amped up for this game and an extremely high level of play, uh, officials letting them play through contact. Um, I thought the announcers were good. Like, I, everything about ten, everything about Pacer Celtics was wildly enjoyable, and what a coming out party for Halliburton, who's hardly ever on national television. And they said during the broadcast, his first ever TNT game. That's crazy. What? It's his fourth season in the league. That's outrageous. How is that possible? But man. Yeah. Because you would think like even some of those teams, they try to get them on TNT. Like you're usually on there at least like once because, you know, they'll they'll schedule your Lakers game. 
right? You'll get on because of the other team, at least in 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 some cases when you're uh, <laughs> when you're not one of the premier teams. But this is a team that we have talked about quite a bit as a very good story last year. When Halliburton went out, they had a great record, and then his injury just kind of wrecked their season. And now from day one, they have been the highest-scoring team in the NBA. They've been a fun watch, and now they are 11-8, and and they are on their way to the semifinals as one of the final four teams that's going to play in this in-season tournament in Vegas. Um, What were you left about thinking, uh, or what were you left thinking about the most after that game? Just that that finish, the 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 final two minutes when the Pacers had the four point play by Halliburton, this crazy shot, one of the multiple wild three pointers that Halliburton hit. That was the four point play, and then they had the Buddy Hield three, and then the Neesmith play where he dunks the ball. The whole arena's going wild. The the, the teammates all mob him on the court. Like just that sequence is going to stick with me just because it really did. It was the big, it was multiple exclamation points at the end of, like you said, a very intense game. It was high level competition throughout. And I thought that was a proper finish um, with like each play building up and making the crowd more and more hyped. Um, But I I thought for Halliburton, um, the, the zero assist, granted, he almost had one at the end there. It was deflected out of bounds by Drew Holiday instead of stolen. But 13 assists, the zero turnovers, 10 rebounds, 26 points with the far majority of those coming in the second half. He said in his post-game interview, like he, he said, my first half was terrible. I was huffing and puffing, had a hit an inhaler at halftime. It wasn't a good first half for him. Um, but man, like that, that second half, I mean, you said his coming out party, like it really was, it was, it was a game. Yeah. A lot, a lot of people watching him probably for the first time national TV and seeing this funky style of play, uh, with the type, with the way he shoots the ball, the funky form and his ability to get to the basket and make his teammates better. Man, I mean, on the Pacers side of things, it's, it's cool to see them do it. And also, even though they gave up one twelve in the game. Like the Celtics did score. I did feel like they did elevate their intensity on defense as well. They just don't have any help defense. They don't have an interior, any interior defense, but their perimeter defensive, defensive intensity to pick up to help them build that lead in the second half. Defense and rebounding. Yes. Uh, because they got absolutely smoked on the boards in the first half of that game. There, it was a 55 to 48 game at halftime and they were getting out rebounded 33 to 19. You How many this, like like three three chance possessions did the Celtics have it felt like, right? Well, in in the first half it was I jotted this down, it was 52 shots to 45 shots. So, I mean, oh, yeah, wow. and you, that just can't be the case if you are the team if you're the underdog team. The underdog team has got to hustle, they got to rebound, and they got to keep their turnovers low. And those are all the things they did in the second half of that game. They rebounded like hell. You know, they're almost even on the rebounds. They got uh, 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 more shots in the second half uh, than did the Celtics. And they came out after halftime, and, and their turnovers anemically low. They had six turnovers, Kevin, for the entire game. So, you, when you're able to treasure the ball like that and you're able to do all the hustle stuff, you give yourself a chance. And they came out in that third quarter. And look, this is one of the things that I talked about that was a concern 
Now, you can write it off and you can say, well, this isn't that big of a deal. It's the in-season tournament. They don't have Porzingis. If they have Porzingis, they would have beat him, whatever. But these are the guys, like, you are going to be facing an awesome coach in many cases in the Eastern Conference, right? You are going to have to go up against Eric Spolstra. You're going to go up against Rick Carlisle. You're going to go up to a lot of guys that have coached a lot of games and have made a lot of adjustments. And they came out in the third quarter and they ran the Celtics out. They won that quarter 37 to 23 and got that pace completely up. It was like they went halftime and they and they fixed things, right? And they came out and they won that by 14. But what's most impressive to me is they were up about eight minutes left to go. They got up seven points and the Celtics just erased that. You know, Tatum hits a couple shots, uh, White hits a shot, and now, like, okay, here's that defense, and now there's six minutes to go, and it's kind of like a tie game. And for Halliburton to step up and that Pacers team to step up and win that game against guys that have been there 100,000 times with the stakes being, you know, higher than they've ever been for what would be a game played during the regular season – I thought was mega impressive. I really did. It, it absolutely was. And, and you mentioned it in passing there about you could say the Celtics didn't have Porzingis. Th- that is a pretty big factor. Well, what have I been saying to you ever since they got him? The Celtics, he he is their X factor. They are a championship team with Porzingis. They aren't without him. And I do think we saw that tonight with Indiana constantly exploiting that Boston's lack of rim protection without Porzingis getting to the rim, driving kick, creating fairly open or wide open three-point shooting opportunities. Uh, having Porzingis also would help Boston's half-court offense too. There are so many plays, especially with the bench units, where Boston like generated no 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 ability to create an open shot. Like it would, there was one play in the second half where Peyton Pritchard dribbled the ball up the floor picked his dribble up, handed it off to Drew Holiday, who took a really dumb three-pointer with 15 seconds on the shot clock, heavily contested instead of moving the ball. There was no movement off ball. It, with Porzingis, he's a guy you could throw the ball to on the post and let him make a play. You can have him pick and pop. You can have him roll to the rim. He just adds another weapon to Boston's offense. And you know, as I said defensively, he's critical for them. I felt with Indiana, they came with a game plan and attacking that. Um, and, and Boston, without him, they're just not a championship team. They're just straight up not. Well, and they really, Hauser was great for them off the bench. That's it. I mean, they got nothing out of anybody nothing. else. Not Cor- Cornette had the offensive boards. He created some second That's chances. Right. But other than that, Pritchard had a really, really bad game. Banton, solid player, but I mean. A lot of I, cardio. A lot of cardio. 11 minutes of cardio for uh, Delano Blanton. I, I just. I don't understand uh, Missoula not tightening the rotation. He did. I, I mean, mean kind he of. Only play, he, he only I mean, look, you got to play somebody. Sub, but yeah, yeah, but that, but, sure. but only only Cornette played over twenty. Yeah, but he, even Carlisle, like I'm sorry, he, I'm sorry, Hauser played over twenty. He didn't. He didn't play Nimhard more than five minutes. T.J. McConnell didn't get over ten. I mean, it was a really, really tight rotation where he had six guys over or five guys over 30 minutes, seven guys over 25 minutes. Uh, like that was an even tighter rotation than Boston where Halliburton cracked 40 minutes. Nobody cracked 40 minutes for Boston. Um, I'm not saying that would have made the difference in the game for the Celtics, but um, 
I, I I'm a little surprised to see like Banton in the game. Well, that's probably uh, a veteran, veteran coach, right? He'd see today, he plays McConnell for nine minutes. He's like, all right, you ain't doing shit. You don't play no yeah. more. Uh, Nemhard, you ain't doing nothing. <laughs> Get on out of here. Well, look, and they wanted to win this thing. Like, that's mm-hmm. what I'll say. Like, you saw, we wondered how these coaches would treat this. This is like what you would do for a playoff rotation. This is not a, a, mm-hmm. a Monday night regular season game rotation. This is, we're trying to win this game. And so if that means that we got to play Halliburton 40 minutes, we're playing him 40 minutes tonight. And I, I, was, I, was, I was pretty impressed, man. I was pretty impressed with Indiana. And most importantly, just that crowd. The crowd is great. Like, you wanted that to feel bigger. It felt bigger. Way it bigger. Did. It, did. Mm-hmm. it did. Even if it's all manufactured. <laughs> It felt they manufactured what they needed to, which was this. This actually felt bigger, and and it also had the moments, the Halliburton four point play, announcer <laughs> going crazy, crowd mm-hmm. going insane. That felt like a playoff environment. And when he made that shot, and as you said, the sequence where they get the run out and Nemhard gets the dunk, that was like Neesmith. Oh yeah, Neesmith. Yeah, Neesmith. Neesmith. Yeah. And, then, and then he healed had the three before that too. That, that reminded right. me, like for some reason, it took me back to I went to a Red Sox game with my dad, like in 08, something like that. Red Sox had four home runs in a row. And like each each home run that the the Fenway Park crowd got more and more intense, louder and louder. That's what it was like with those three plays in the final two minutes for the Pacers, where it's like one crazy play after another, and it's just this explosion. With this Neesmith dunk. <laughs> it's yes. just a real, I don't know, like it would have been one of those games that, like, like I mentioned that Red Sox game, that is just with you forever. If you're a Pacers fan in the crowd for that moment, that that's something you're always going to have with you as a fan of the Indiana Pacers, as a fan of the NBA um, for right. as long as you live. It was a special, special, like I was, I was laughing. I just couldn't help but laugh. It was just so cool to watch. The other thing, and I think we, we, we understand why. Indiana, you know, has been such a good scoring team. Is is there any level of concern? I've heard so much about how, you know, these are the two best defensive guards. Uh, you know, you 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 couldn't uh you couldn't have <laughs> Gary Gary Payton and Dennis Johnson back there. Uh and it's like, man, they got cooked a lot. Man, offense always wins, right, Chris? It really does. I mean, it does. Those those guys, like, did you feel like everybody's, you know, stopping point of attack? That no. nobody's able to get a shot off or anything. It's like, come on, man. I know. Like those mm-hmm. those guys. Drew Holiday was not impressive in the least. No, he looked like uh like Bucks Eric Bledsoe, you know, like yeah. as he as he often does in the postseason on offense and defensively, he just didn't make up for it. No, didn't make up for it, and so and and it's crazy because you saw those reports come out earlier today. It's like. Porzingis might be ready for Thursday. Well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't, no. <laughs> be ready for Friday versus the Knicks or whoever you're going to be the, playing the, this, this is the concern for Boston, though. I mean, I, I feel like I've been consistent in saying this. They are not a championship team without Kristaps Porzingis, but he is their X factor. He's the guy that can put them over the top. You also and, and like their all- bench, though, and their bench stinks. I think their bench has some solid players. Like Sam Hauser is a solid player. Not I when think, you have to have it. I think someone like Brissett is a solid player. He just didn't get in there tonight. 
I think Lamar Stevens is a, is a solid deep bench player, as a solid hustling defender uh, and an improving shooter. I'd like to see him get a chance this year for the Celtics. I think they have some options, but I was I've consistently said if they do need to improve the bench bench, they have the picks to do it. So that's why I'm like less concerned about mm. the Celtics bench because I I think their roster is an incomplete that they will make moves if necessary. But at the same time, I'd like Missoula to do some experimentation with some of those guys off the bench. Um, you know, the, I, I think tonight would have been a, a good opportunity for that. Like, we've we've barely seen Kata, um this year for them. Luke has barely played for Boston. I'm not saying these are the answers, but they have options to play around with and see what makes works the best. But ultimately, though, it comes down to Porzingis. It comes down to Porzingis, Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum. And, like, those three guys... Porzingis needs to be healthy. Tatum needs to take a step up in the postseason. Jalen Brown needs to limit turnovers. And that's going to be the key for them moving forward. Tatum was solid tonight. He's been up and down uh, recently, but tonight he was solid. He ended up 13 of 26. Uh, It's not like he had a super inefficient night. Um, but like, if you're not going to have it from Porzingis, you need to have even more from Tatum and Brown than you were able to get tonight as much as you got from them. Well, it's going to be super interesting to see because now the Pacers move on from this and neither of the two teams that they would be playing against in the next round are particularly ideal for half-court basketball. So they, they, they are going to have to try to get out and run a bunch again because the last thing they want to do is be facing... Uh, you know, the, the size is what can get them. And Boston while they played big in the first half, they didn't have big guys. Like Tatum had like 10 rebounds in the first half. But I mean, both that, that Knicks team can be big and that Bucks team can be big. And those are going to be the, Mm -hmm. those are going to be the trouble spot for Indiana. And that will be one of those, you know, can they run and gun and get that thing moving up and down and grab enough rebounds? Uh, Obi top and revenge game. If it's the Bucks or, you know, and and what do they do against somebody like Giannis? If that's who they gotta face, I mean, I, I know nobody has some kind of great answer for it, but I'm, I'm fascinated because it's certainly going to be a contrast, no matter which one they draw, because those two teams will try to expose the fact that they're not a big team uh, and try to get them into half court basketball and make them uncomfortable. But they were certainly they were able to get Boston out and moving in that second half. For sure. I mean, it's going to have to be the same formula for Indiana, regardless of the opponent. Uh, mm-hmm. If it's the Bucks, the, they have a bottom five isolation defense. They have not been great defending pick and rolls against guys like Tyrese Halliburton, who can shoot off the dribble and you know penetrate and create open shots for teammates. Um, but Knicks are going to, I mean, maybe the Knicks are going to be the team to exploit that. Knicks have lost six games in a row against the Bucks. But it's a little bit different this time because that Bucks perimeter defense is not quite the same anymore with Drew Holiday gone and their defensive scheme completely different. So can Jalen Brunson, can Emmanuel quickly exploit that Bucks perimeter defense and lead the Knicks to the win? Because that feels like a, a, a much more winnable matchup for Indiana than against Milwaukee on paper. Um, but then again... Like Indiana's offense when they're going, like there's really nothing you can do about about that Indiana Pacers offense. Like it doesn't matter if you're in half court or not. I will say this: there's part of me that would love to see Pacers Knicks invite Reggie Miller, invite Spike Lee, <laughs> hell, invite Charles Oakley. He can't go yeah. to Madison Square Garden. <laughs> invite everybody, and then like maybe have then have something go on in the game. 
Like oh, maybe yeah, right, you yeah, right, yeah. like get a little tussle in that game, and we could all relive that <laughs> yes. night. You know that old yes. Pacers Knicks stuff. There is part of me that would like to see mm. Pacers Knicks just because those are such great memories from yesteryear. I'd love that. That would be cool. It would be so. cool, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we're not getting Celtic Bucks anyway. No, right. So I mean, like that would be cool to. I, mean, I, I did pick Pacers that. Knicks. That, that was my that was my prediction. Pacers Knicks. So we'll see. You know what would be fascinating, too, is if on the other side, if the Lakers were able to beat the Suns and then we get to relive the the Kings getting robbed against the Lakers and not getting any calls and oh. having their championship year stripped away. Mm-hmm. So, like, we could, re- we could rekindle some old rivalries, possibly, if the Kings were to move on and the Lakers were to move on and then you had the Knicks and the Pacers moving on. Who do you think wins that Suns-Lakers game on Tuesday? I'm going to be going to that. Oh, you're going to it? Yeah, I'm going to that, yeah. Yeah, I decided to leave Wednesday morning for Vegas, so I'm going to go to Suns-Lakers on Tuesday night. I mean, I know they got Vanderbilt back, but I, I just I, I just watched the Suns uh, play Memphis the other night on Saturday night, and I, I just think the, the Booker-Durant thing is probably too much. Yeah. Now, mm-hmm. uh, again, they might be able to bully ball them, though, because they're not big either. They don't have, they don't have, they, like, that is the weakness is that, like, AD could, he he needs to be the best guy on the court. And that includes against Booker and against Durant. Like, he needs to be the best guy and be that dominant rim protection on one end and then just abuse them on the other end. Because you can I watched Jaron Jackson have 37 in the game, Kevin. <laughs> There's nobody on the team to guard a guy like that. There's just no, they don't have, they don't have, a, they didn't, if they didn't, and if you ain't got a matchup for Jaron Jackson Jr., you ain't got a matchup for Anthony Davis. So it's just a matter of taking advantage of it. Cause they'll throw K to B, you know, K to Bates Jop, they'll throw Nurk, they'll throw, you know, they'll throw different guys at you, but they don't have anybody for, one of those Frico long uh, big guys. And so that can be their weakness. And so that's what I would say. If, if Davis is amazing, I'll tell you the Lakers could win the game. I think but that's I a think safe Davis, bet. I think he has to be amazing. Yeah, that's a safe bet if, if AD is amazing for sure. Um, but ultimately that, that Suns lineup, Booker, Durant, Gordon, Allen, Nurkic, ever since Booker's come back, has been one of the best lineups in all the basketball. Oh, like, yeah. They've been absolutely unstoppable. Like of the, of the top 50 most utilized lineups this season, they're number two in net rating with a 135.5 offensive rating, a 109.4 defensive rating right behind that Celtics starting five with Porzingis being active. Like They've been absolutely unbelievable. Um, so I think with, with Booker being back, they've been amazing with him. Nurkic has been better lately after a slow start to the season, um, protecting the rim, finishing at the basket. He's been better. He's been more consistent. Uh, I assume he's going to get up and intensity wise for this game and, and really try to compete against Anthony Davis as he, as, as he did during their matchups during the season. They lost both to the Lakers, but they didn't have Devin Booker for either of them. Uh, I think the Lakers, you know, Suns will have a really competitive game. I think it'll be a close game, but uh, I'd lean towards Suns. And this one yeah. going to Vegas. And plus, it's the thing you've talked about ever since their offseason. 
their entire roster besides the stars. They're <laughs> on need minimum contracts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're panhandling really... on the sideline. They get to... <laughs> that's <laughs> the most money they're going to make this year in many cases right maybe I get a, maybe I can play craps with Bull Bull that's what I want to do if they make it I mean, he's, um, not, he's not getting minutes right now so no he's I got, know that's why got, I said maybe I can play craps yeah, with him he's got the time he's got the time yeah uh, and so I do. I do think. Look, as as we are recording this part, uh, I've got the game on in the background. We got the the Kings are already up fourteen. Their crowd is lit right now, and Malik Monk is catching alley oops on the break. And I mean, they got twenty nine points with four and a half minutes left in the first quarter. That's tough. So, looking uh, a very good start for the Kings. Obviously, we'll be talking about that game uh, a little bit later. Cash in on balling out this NBA season with a FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. So on Tuesday night in the NBA in-season tournament, I'm picking the Suns and the Knicks on the road. I like the money line bets there, currently listed at plus 106 for the Suns, plus 168 for the Knicks. You're picking against the favorite. You're picking against the home team. The odds are not in your favor, but I like the way those teams match up. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to join. The app is easy to use, and there's a wide range of ways to bet, aside from the games happening on Tuesday night with quick bets, live same-game parlays, the Parlay Hub, futures with awards like MVP or the Finals. There's a ton of different ways to go about it, so visit FanDuel.com slash mismatch and turn dimes into dollars this season. FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. First online real money wager only. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Couple things that we do want to mention, though things that happened this week. Shame that Houston isn't in this thing because I would have loved to have seen high stakes between Ime Udoka and LeBron James. <laughs> How awesome was that? Oh, like, I, know. I feel like we're getting some heat going on with different teams matchups. Like, we have to had some crap happen now. Even at the beginning of the year, you know, we had that. The huge Gobert Draymond thing at the beginning of the year. <laughs> We've had guys arguing with each other. We've had guys talking wild to each other. And then now we have coach and player thrown out of a game. <laughs> yeah. That was crazy. And of course, I saw right before we came out, I saw I scrolling through Instagram and somebody's like, now we know why Udoka got mad at LeBron. He cooked his ass in 07. It was like all these highlights from LeBron playing against Ime Udoka. I'm like, come on. <laughs> they were, uh, but I love that. And I would love for, I would love to see those teams matching up. I mean, in between Dylan Brooks and Ime Udoka, LeBron is, uh, He's got his hands full with being irritated with them, huh? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of a good thing, though, that we d aren't seeing Houston, though, because they've fallen off after their last start. They've lost six out of eight. They're only wins against Memphis and Denver, two juggernauts in the Western Conference. How dare you? I don't think they've played a, I don't think they've won a game on the road yet, have they? No, they're winless on the road. 
Okay, so maybe we would. Well, maybe this would be neutral in fairness. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, but yeah, that thing was hilarious. Uh, I <laughs> I can't believe like you saw the. I'm sure you saw on social media the the audio of the back and forth conversation. Yeah. He's I mean, calling them bitches. Yeah, and LeBron's like, "Don't use that word." <laughs> Come on. What are you doing, LeBron? Don't use that word. Come on. He always gets upset, too. He, oh, I mean, you know, that, Chill out. He's at that stage, man. He's at that stage. Don't disrespect me. He's at, he's at don't disrespect me stage. Yeah. You know what I mean? Clay Thompson hit that a couple years ago. <laughs> With the four. <laughs> yeah, remember flashing? Yeah, 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 I, exactly. I got four. I got four <laughs> rings and all that stuff. You know, rubbing uh, his balls on uh, Dylan silly. Brooks' head on Christmas Day. All that crap. Silly. Yeah, they're kind of in that. They're kind of in that mode right now. Um, did you read Sam Amick's interview with uh, James Harden? Yeah, I did. And uh, Harden talked more about money than he did about winning or anything else. With all of his answers unprovoked, it felt like, didn't it? Yeah, I I want to give credit to Sam because that was great to get that many quotes out of James Harden. Like it, it, at one point in the interview, he says, "You know, nobody knows you, right?" <laughs> and he's like, "Yeah, nobody knows me, yeah. right?" And they can believe whatever they want to believe. Um, it, it's clear why Harden doesn't do many interviews, though. Oh, because he speaks uh, because he. He just says whatever he wants to, and rarely does it come off humble, gracious, whatever you want to call it. You know what I mean? It's usually about himself, yeah, right? Which we would imagine. Um, but here's you know, look, it's either here or there. He says Daryl Morey told him he'd give him a max contract, and I believe him. That's the end of that. I believe him. I believe that he thought he was getting a max contract. And that's why you opt out of the four. You don't opt out out of forty-seven million and and bury your other team in Brooklyn, unless you think that that's on the other end. And he made it like pretty clear in the interview that there was like a huge falling out, and that he, I, 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 I you know, I'm I've never been a hardened defender, uh, not exactly my favorite player. I believe him when he says that. I do. Hmm. I believe him when he says that he was told he's getting a max contract. Now, that opens up a whole other can of worms because they already did an investigation on this, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, that's what I mean. But, they already investigated and there was nothing found there. Like, all the text messages, computers, unless it was, like, offline, said face-to-face. -face, well, and, that's how anybody that's as smart as them would do it. Of course. Of course. And, and, and also, they, they, he says they talked to my representation as well and... But my, my my understanding was the way those conversations went down. And again, like there's tons of mixed stuff out there. There's you hear you hear the stuff about how he was promised. And you also hear what I'm about to say, which is I was told that it was more like, you know, hey, if we win, if we if we go to the, to the championship if we win it all, if we make a, a deep run, everybody's going to get taken care of. That it wasn't as much as like a yes, we are going to give you a max contract, James Harden. If you if you take a discount so we can sign Daniel House and PJ Tucker, your two friends, and overpay for them, it was less that and more. Yeah, obviously, obviously, you're gonna get your money if we make a deep run. No shit, like that. That's the way I think it was framed, and maybe maybe things were uh, were misunderstood. Maybe it was outright said. I have no idea. Um, but all I know is that uh, with Harden. He didn't hold up his side of things with his production 
Well, this is what he said. He said, I, I, I wanted to retire in Philly. And basically, I, the reason I did what I did in Brooklyn is because of the assurance I thought I had in Houston or mm. in, in Philadelphia. Yeah. Right. And he talked about the relationship that those two had and, you know, the level of trust that he had and whatever else. And I, I just that, don't, I just don't see like, you've always been like the, the hardened skeptic. Are you really going to trust, trust the guy who's burned bridges with every team he's left? Is he really the most trustworthy person when it comes to, oh, here's what I was told? I, I don't know. Like, I, I'm the hardened guy saying that, but is he really the most trustworthy witness? I, I don't think so at all. Oh, well, I mean, you, you, if you, if you, if you got to take a step back and you go, all right, why did he make the decisions that he made financially? I mean, he wanted to get PJ Tucker and Daniel House's teammates on, on, on the Philadelphia 76ers. So he took a discount like tons of other players have done in the past from Tim Duncan to Tom Brady, like different sports. They've like a, stars of different styles and personalities have taken discounts to get okay, there. Then how do you square teammate. this? All right. Then how do you, then how do you square this way? Let's say you believe that. I don't believe that you believe that. I don't believe what, that. What? That he wanted believe. to be teammates with his friend PJ Tucker? No, that, that, that was the, that this noble, I'm taking a pay cut. Therefore we can have this good team. And I can no, be with I, my I believe I believe and whatever that he, else. I believe right. that he thought he'd be rewarded on the other end of it. So what we, I, what, of course what, he what, did. But what I don't know is whether he was promised or told that he will be getting a max yeah, contract. Wait, so which is is he selfish or selfless? Which is it? I don't I don't think it's it's either. It's just that he did that it, he did that strictly so he could get those guys as teammates. I, I don't think it's anything but that. I don't think it's selfish. Or selfless. I think it's just an act to improve your chances of winning. How about when he says, look, they didn't want to give me the max. Well, okay. Well, at that point. Why would they give you the max? Okay. No, no, no. He says, you don't want to give me the max? Okay. Then at that point, all right, well, what can you give me? He said, instead, there were zero conversations. Yeah, that, that, that's that true. At all. That, that I was is true. Iced out. I was iced out completely. So that, one that thing is that true. I just didn't get the max, they didn't offer me anything. That, that's been reported. Uh, I've heard that as well, that fr- during the postseason, Harden's team approached the Sixers front office about wanting to negotiate, but the Sixers were like playing strict by the rules and like, nope, we're not going to discuss until the offseason. We're not going to jump ahead on anything. Whether that, that's true or not, I do not know. It, it's hard to know when there's so much stuff out there. But I'm just saying there's there's two sides to every story for the reasons why those things are being done. There's probably four or five different sides to this here. But the bottom line is, though, he didn't have leverage. Sometimes you might think you're going to get something, and then you lose your leverage. He underwhelmed in the postseason. The market was not there for him in the offseason. Not even the Rockets wanted him. So, like, if you're in that position after the year you had with, when you're, with your diminishing skills, you're not going to get a max contract. Well, he acknowledged that. He acknowledged, like, you know, where he is in the landscape yeah. and what teams, who had the money and who what. I will say, reading that interview, I was dead right about why he opted into that contract. And I believe that wholeheartedly. He says, I was told it would happen within 10 days. That's why I opted in. Then they drug it out four and a half months and made me look like a jerk face. <laughs> but I totally believe that he opted in because he knew he was getting traded. Mm. I actually believe this guy. Tough business, huh? When he's saying this stuff, though. 
Yeah, because that know. doesn't, it, otherwise it doesn't make any sense to opt in. All due respect, like his agent this, uh, during the offseason was also saying he's going to win MVP this year. Maybe, maybe, maybe well, like there's bad choices. Maybe there's bad choices happening within his circle as well. Um, so it's I, a I fair think counterpoint. That, that could be it part is of a it, fair so. counterpoint. Yeah. <laughs> that is that is they all might be goofy. I agree, yeah. but I also think you know, Maury made a deal with the devil a hundred years ago with yeah. this guy. Like his whole career has been attached to him. Now mm-hmm. they've kind of moved on or whatever. I saw. I saw. I forget who said it, but um, I saw someone did an article or something the other day about how Daryl Morey's won every James Harden trade. He, <laughs> he won the trade with OKC. He won the trade <laughs> sending him to Brooklyn. <laughs> he won all the trades with Harden. All, all, so getting him from Brooklyn, he won, won it trading him to the Clippers. He's won them all. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god uh, hey, look and um, the, my favorite quote from the whole story had nothing to do it was nothing from James Harden it was an off hand quote did you see this the PJ Tucker quote that there, there aren't enough basketballs oh, on the yeah, planet yeah, for this one, team yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. so good there's not enough basketballs on the planet for this team unbelievable all right, so we are obviously going to be talking a lot about this second game. We've had it on in the background. Trey Murphy the third is about to go uh, to the free throw line, and oh my God, Herb Close Jones game. just tapped it in at the buzzer. It's now thirty six thirty five. So they came storming back. Did the New Orleans Pelicans? Herb Jones with the tap in off the missed free throw. Holy mackerel! So they went on the run of all runs here in the second part of the first quarter. All right, we will break down uh, what we saw from the rest of this Pelicans and Kings game. Boy, they've got some guys back now. Alvarado's back in the mix. Murphy's back in the mix. Yeah, they've gotten their guys back just in time uh, for this thing, have the New Orleans Pelicans. So we'll watch the rest of this Pelicans-Kings game, and we'll record the second half of the podcast after we watch that. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Offer valid for new and eligible returning subscribers only. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by USAA Insurance. USAA is insurance that could lead the league in assist. That's because bundling auto with home or renter's insurance saves you money. USAA understands the needs of our military, veterans, and their eligible family members. And they've got great rates and insurance options to meet them. See how much you can save. Tap the banner to learn more and get a quote at usaa.com slash bundle. Restrictions apply. All right, now we're back for the second part of the podcast. And Kevin, we just witnessed the New Orleans Pelicans heading to Las Vegas to play against the winner of what will be played on Tuesday night, the Lakers and the Suns, 127 to 117. The Pelicans went into Sacramento and won the game by double digits. Um, I'll let you give your thoughts first. Well, 
The Pelicans are looking like a team that is continuing on the same exact positive trajectory that we saw prior to the return of some of their injured guys. Trey Murphy, CJ McCollum, they didn't even have Jordan Hawkins in the rotation tonight after we raved about him on last week's show. Barely played Dyson Daniels, who replaced CJ McCollum in the starting lineup and has been sensational as part of that two-man tandem with Herm Jones. But instead, tonight, we see a bunch of different guys step up. Trey Murphy banging threes, CJ McCollum, McCollum distributing the ball, hitting timely shots. But most of all, how easy it is to forget that once upon a time, Brandon Ingram averaged 27 points per game in a first-round series for the Pelicans. But then you see him have big games like tonight where there's nothing a defense can do against him with him hitting tough, contested shots. I felt like it was just one of those games. Did you see the three he hit like in the third quarter where it like bounced off the rim and like went like 30 feet in the air and fell in? It was just one of those threes where it's like this is one of those games where Ingram just has the touch. Um, 30 points for him on 10 of 20. It didn't seem to matter who uh, the Kings threw at him. He was able to score. But most of all, though, I felt like the Pelicans defense, again, like they gave up 117. But you hold the Aaron Fox to 10 of 25, one of his least efficient scoring performances of what has been a stellar season for him, throwing like Jose Alvarado, Trey Murphy, Herb Jones, McCollum had competitive possessions against the Aaron Fox. I thought the Pelicans collectively did a good job of slowing down Fox, and that was one of the reasons why they were able to get the win tonight. I thought this game was the living embodiment of the too little taunt the whole game and, and this is now three times and this is before the pelicans had their guys back sometimes there are teams that are uniquely horrendous matchups for the other team while they might be two good teams and i'm sure the pelicans have their horrendous matchups but th this particular kings pelicans matchup we've now seen it three times this year and each time the uh, uh, the Pelicans were victorious. And you watch this game and across the board, they're small. You might remember at the end of this game, there was uh, some, I can't even remember who it was. Maybe it was Ingram uh, went in and, and shot a layup and it, it rattled off the rim, whatever. And, but, but then Ingram and Valanchunas are standing there getting the rebound and like, there's Sabonis oh, that's yeah. right there, but like they're, Sabonis is the only big guy they have. They have no size, right? They, they haven't had Alex Land this year, who I know they used some in the playoffs last year, but I mean, they have no size that they play or that they can play. Like JaVale McGee's just a bench, you know, filler. He's not a guy for playoff basketball or and in season basketball. Even, even their guys that they bring off the bench that, you know, like uh, Trey Lyles. He, he Trey Lyles isn't big. Like they he's, have nobody, a, he's a small ball five. That's what right. He they have nobody big on their team. And you know when they and honestly, this would have been way worse if, if Valentinus hadn't gotten the fourth foul when he did. I really believe that. And the other thing is, it might have been. So it would have been. I think it would have been worse uh, for for the Kings if Valentinus didn't get hurt. I also think. It could have been better for the Kings if Willie Green didn't make some hard decisions. 
He rolled with Alvarado. He rolled with Murphy. Like, they were better with Alvarado and Murphy on the team. Like, it just balances things out. Mm -hmm. Zion wasn't good. It yeah. wasn't good. He had like two spurts in the third quarter. Strange game for Zion. Only, yeah. only, only 28 minutes tonight. Uh, I wonder if Willie Green will be asked after the game. I'm sure he will. Is there anything up with Zion? Is he healthy? I'm sure he'll get asked that by some Pelicans media members after the game, and he'll probably give a, a vague answer about it. But Zion didn't seem right at all in the game. No. One bit. No, he, yet, but, that, but doesn't that speak to the depth of this roster for the Pelicans, the fact that they could get 10 points on eight shots, six assists, four turnovers, six rebounds from Zion in 28 minutes, and yet it didn't feel like they were missing him at all? I mean, they had so many other strong performances across the board. Especially when, theoretically, his matchup was unbelievable. I mean, he's going up against, like, Harrison Barnes on possessions. Like, they don't... They're so little, that yeah. Kings team, and even... And and you know what? It really does hurt them when you see them. And again, we're we're not trying to make too much of these games, but we see that they're trying to do playoff rotations. You could tell that these games mattered to these four teams that we watched tonight. And so it was a playoff preview of sorts, how you would run it out if you had to play a playoff like game today. Seven guys played over 15 minutes for the Kings, and then like minutes were scattered for the other three. And it, was, it, it and tight. I and and look, I know he's sick, overcoming illness, whatever, um, Davion Mitchell, but he's been horrendous this year for them, and and he obviously did not play tonight, but he's been bad anyway. The guy's shooting like less than 30-something percent from the field. He can't make a three to save his life, and like, guess what? He's little anyway. Like, that's the other guy that I'm like, like, where are the, he played, the he was in their top seven uh, last year, you know, in terms of minutes on their team. Um, and they are a team that like, look, if you want to run up and down the court, if you're small, then no problems. But when you have size like the Pelicans had, I mean, they just look small across the board. And I was, I was mega impressed with the Pelicans in terms of not only their incredible depth, uh, Herb was amazing. Both oh offense and defense was great all night. Hit his threes, the playmaking from the middle of the floor, the, blo the block he had on Monk after stopping Sabonis oh. on the drive to the rim and one play. Dude's amazing. amazing. And, yeah. and how about how about Murphy jumping right back into the mix, <laughs> playing a couple of games and being yeah. awesome? Oh, my God. Trey Murphy is so good, Im dude. Immediately <laughs> fantastic as a kickout guy. Mm -hmm. And so... They've got guys that can ISO you. They've got guys that they could kick it out to and can knock down a shot. And they look big. When you watch them, and especially when you see them against like a, a team like this, the Kings, um, just across the board, the size. And it, I, I was impressed by Willie Green. He was willing to balance that thing out. That is not easy in the stretch run to have McCollum sitting over on your bench and Zion sitting over on your bench. <laughs> and yet, and I know that sometimes it can be blown, uh, blown out of proportion, the, you know, the plus minus numbers, but you just look tonight and that number tells you what your eyes did. Oh, Murphy sure. was a plus 24. Alvarado was a plus 19. Like anytime that game even started, to, it, it looked like the Kings got some momentum. 
those guys flipped it and they flipped it twice because they flipped it in the first half and then they flipped it again in the second half when they were running off. And it's kind of like you got those dirty work guys. You got guys that are rotating and playing hard defense. I was I was super impressed and they are going to be a bitch for either one of those teams because they're too big for that Phoenix team. I talked to you about this. When I said that, you know, when we were t- we were talking about earlier, where it's like Davis has to just destroy Phoenix, um, and honestly, like the Lakers, they ain't got enough to me. Like I don't think they uh, they they got LeBron and AD, and then everything else is kind of a crapshoot nightly. Um, and I think that their size would really be a problem for uh, for Phoenix, and so I think this Pelicans team going into Las Vegas is uh, I think they're going to be a real problem for either one of those two teams that they might face. I think so as well, especially if Zion can get going. I mean, yeah. you probably you, you don't win the whole tournament unless you get a big game from Zion. Um, like you got to get him going at some point. But with that said, I don't know if you do, though, you know, it, it's almost like having Ingram as the focal point and him being the guy that's the 20 shots a game. Like, I don't know if it needs to be distributed. There's Zion and there's Ingram and then there's everybody else. I kind of liked the balance. Like, yeah, Ingram's the guy. He's the scorer. And then everybody else eats. I don't know. The one one thing I'll I'll say there is like Zion did facilitate tonight. They used him in in post-ups where sometimes he'd draw two or draw like, at least a, a, the attention of a second defender shading towards him. He'd kick it out and it would lead to an open player, whether it was Trey Murphy or whoever else there was, I believe it was a, I didn't believe it was a Trey Murphy three where Zion was like on the baseline. I might be misremembering his baseline post up and he drew two and hit Herb Jones in the middle of the floor who kicked it out to Ingram. So Zion get a hockey assist out of it. So I, mm-hmm. I think he made a difference in some ways, but, um, you know, at some point, I think they're going to I like the Murphy spacing, him. too. Dude, Trey Murphy is it's just so tough. freaking good, man. I mean, Herb obviously made some threes tonight, Herb even though that's, that's not usually his game. But when you've got Valachunas and you've got Ingram and you've got Zion, that's a lot of two-point shots yes. out there. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I like the spacing when you've got the others. But it is variety, though, in the ways you get those shots like like Valanciunas is such an interior guy except for when he's shooting threes but like for this team he's primarily an interior guy Zion attacks from the perimeter Ingram is like Mr. Pull-Up too so it's like it's like different styles of of two-point creators like that's mm-hmm. the thing with this Pelicans team like you look up and down their roster like there's not a lot of overlap there's a lot of different types of players right like, like right. across the roster like there's nobody like Jose Alvarado. There's nobody like Trey Murphy, except for Jordan Hawkins, who's like a far smaller version. And they're different types of guy with guys with the way they're utilized. Najee Marshall is unlike Trey Murphy as one of their wings. And he's very much like on Her- Herb Jones, who's a Swiss Army knife. They just are all completely different types of players. And they can, like, I think with Willie Green, the lineup that they use without CJ, that Valanchunas, Ingram, Zion, Herb, Dyson Daniels five man lineup. We saw like multiple versions of that tonight where you're like, ooh, I like this combination of players. They fit together really nicely. And I, one of them was like with Alvarado out there. 
because of the pesky defense that he he provides and, and then the three point shooting he's improved as a shooter it seems so I, I think with like Willie Green as a head coach he must be like having a lot of fun figuring out oh hey which pieces am I going to put together for what my team's needs are in this particular game and that's where their advantage could be regardless of their opponent coming up because for egos I understand that you're probably not moving anybody but I'm telling you the lineups that are not their starting lineup are the ones I like more. Hmm. I just like the balance of it. I know right? what you mean. It's, it, it's again, it's stars and role players. And a lot of those guys in that, it, you know what I mean? Like there's one role player in that starting lineup, but when they get the other guys and especially the spacing that like Murphy can provide. And again, as you mentioned, Hawkins didn't even play in the game. Yeah. It's another crazy. guy that could give you that. <laughs> He's been good. Another guy. It's another guy that could give you uh, spacing. And again, they're just, they're way too big for Sacramento. They are just across the board that, you know, the fact that their defenders are are so big that you could have her chasing around De'Aaron Fox. Oh yeah. And, and the other thing is you can get away with you. There's some of the things that you could possibly expose with that Pelicans thing, especially like the McCollum matchup. But I mean, None of those other guys, like Harrison Barnes wasn't making anything. He wasn't even doing anything. And Kevin Herter was missing every wide open three that they kicked out to. Keegan Murray hit some shots, and I give him credit because he played through the bad back or whatever. But, man, he got, you know, once it gets past Fox and Sabonis, you know, it's really just Monk. Like, if you're thinking about, like, what are you worried about? Um, Unless they're, you know, flying up and down the court and getting a transition and, they couldn't get enough stops or rebounds to do that. If you're a Kings fan watching this game, like Kevin Herter goes two of seven from three, like you must be having flashbacks to earlier this year against the Warriors when he shot eight of 39 in the first round against Golden State, where a guy mm-hmm. who is lights out as a three-point shooter over the course of the season in a big game with playoff level, you know, playoff level intensity, playoff level closeouts. I remember... Like it made me think about Bob Myers years ago at the Sloan Sports Analytics Conference was talking about how with like three point shooters in the postseason versus the regular season, that closeout is three inches or four inches closer. It's there half a second quicker, and that can turn a a thirty seven percent three point shooter into a twenty eight percent three point shooter. And with Kevin Herter, I mean, we need like a larger sample size. He's That's been right. a knockdown guy during the regular season, but in postseason. And now in this one in-season tournament game, postseason, not just with the Kings, but also with the Hawks in two postseason runs with Atlanta, he has not shot the ball well at all. So that has to be mildly concerning for the Kings, considering how pivotal he is to their half-court offense with his cutting and his motion and his movement as a shooter. And interestingly enough, Sabonis had a triple-double in the game. He had 20, uh, I'm looking at the score now, 26, 13, and 10. So how about that? On, on, on tonight, the, both Halliburton and Sabonis had triple doubles, the two guys that were <laughs> traded for each other uh, in the game. And, and, and look, he was 8 of 12. It, 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 you look at this and you're going, geez, man, might want to gotten him the ball a little bit more. He's 8 of 12 from the field. He's 10 of 10 from the line. Like... Maybe a couple of those uh, possessions could have been thrown into him instead. Yeah, he's one of the bright spots for them offensively with his creation. I mean, as he always is offensively. Um, yeah. But I but I do think 
I do think part of the lack of size that you're talking about, not that like, not when you talk about size, you're talking about perimeter size too, not just interior oh, size. All but, across the but, board. But interior is part of it. And I do think tonight's game, last year's playoffs, um, does speak to how the Kings need to think about how do we upgrade the front court. And like when I say that, Kings fans get pissed. Like who's going to be better than Sabonis? It's not about figuring out necessarily who's better than Sabonis. It's about who's a better complement for Sabonis. Can yeah, how about, you how about playing somebody besides Harrison Barnes that could yes. like feasibly get a rebound when uh when when the ball's coming off the rim and it's uh you know this is real life. Jonas Valanciunas and Brandon Ingram or Jonas Valanciunas and Herb Jones or Jonas Valanciunas and who fill in the blank Zion Williamson are crashing the offensive glass. Sabonis is like fighting for his life. Like anything he gets, it's because of sheer will. He and needs it's like he needs help in that yes, front court. Like somebody need, else, he, somebody he, that just gets the ball. He needs somebody who can help him with the rim protection responsibility, so it's not all on him when he's a below average guy at protecting right. the rim. He needs help in the front court as a rebounder. He's a great rebounder himself individually, but he needs it collectively. You can't be a one man rebounding show. It just doesn't work like that. And Sabonis, I mean, like he's a very good player. A very good player. Don't get me wrong, but he can't be the starting center and the only big in your starting five. I th that's where I think Harrison Barnes is a very tradable contract. Seventeen million this year, then eighteen million, then nineteen million. Short term deal that could be appealing to a lot of teams in need of a wing. That's the guy you should be looking to move. And then Herder. I mean, like I, I know he's pivotal during the regular season, but at sixteen million, that's another salary that I think you need to at least be. Uh, willing to move if the deal is right because uh, it's a long track record now, Chris. It oh, is. And here, it, it's a long and, track record. And, and here's the thing. There are some of the teams that have size. There are some of the teams that don't. But you've got to know at the end of this, the two best teams so far, if I'm looking and I'm one of these teams and I'm going, all right, yeah, you, you, you happen to run up against Golden State, so your size was not exposed in the way that it would be. By uh, against some of the other even teams, though even though it still Golden, was, even though was hey, right, and 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 Golden State size was then exposed yeah. against, yep. against the Lakers. But if you're having to face LA, um, you know when 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 the Minnesota? time comes, but you know, well, Minnesota and Denver are the two best teams, right? And you're going to get pummeled by Jokic and Gordon, or pummeled mm -hmm. by Gobert and Cat if you're playing against those teams. Phoenix again, they need some size probably uh when it comes playoff time uh that will be their possible achilles heel um especially if they're just you know throwing nurkic in a hundred thousand pick and rolls and again and you're asking durant or whoever to try to deal with what we just saw tonight like the pelicans are the kind of team that can match up with your size if you're Denver, your size if you're Minnesota, your size if you're the Lakers. But Zach can't. And Phoenix, we're about to see. Dallas, same way. You know, nothing in terms of rim protection, really. Like, they're going to look small against those teams. Like, uh, these teams, and I know you talked to Calvin Booth about this, not only overlap, but also – you know, there's there's one of those things I think about with the philosophy of wingspan and just sheer like he, that he had done that study on how big the teams were, oh, that won, yeah, like what yeah. they had yeah. across the board. And I think about a lot of these teams through that prism 
And I sit there and go, damn, man, that team's got a lot of mm-hmm. tall, long players on their team. Right? And a lot of the teams coming up do too, right? Like yep. Oklahoma City, they're long as hell, man. They're long, but they're also, you're, a, you're able to go at the rim against them as well. Sure. They're, they're, they're lean, know, but they're long yeah. and they can play That's with right. size. Like SGA, there'll be lineups where he's the smallest guy on the floor. Um, like Minnesota, long as hell versatile and like they have the type of size you're talking about what they have you know width as well they're a big wide team as well orlando magic big franz wagner paulo bancaro as your shot creators with certain lineups out there right crazy jalen suggs at six four six five he's big he's got like a, a football player's body so I, I think for the kings that if they can find a way to flip barnes that like i think tonight's game is a big indicator of what they need well, think about the front lines that have won. You know, you're talking about Giannis and Brooke. You're talking about Jokic and Gordon. Like, these are the last couple teams that we've watched win yeah. the thing, right? Yep. And, and and some of the teams that have fallen short are a bit smaller. And the thing is, is like, I know the Kings are still a great story, but I don't want to treat the Kings as just a nice story, a cute story that should be in the postseason. The goal right. is to win a championship. That's, That's right. the goal, to light the beam and to have the Larry O'Brien trophy being held at center court and having this immense celebration. That's the goal. They're a nice story as is. They're going to make the playoffs and continue to be a nice story, the fact that they, they broke the playoff streak. But, the, but they deserve to be held at the same standard as every other team. Like I think Kings fans, sometimes I see messages like, oh, you're so biased against the Kings. It's like, no, I'm just treating the Kings like I do any other team. They deserve, they deserve to have t- title expectations still. We even talked about it earlier with the team that won in the East, which is the Pacers. They're going to have problems with the size of either oh, of those opponents. Without a doubt. It's they're going to have problems. They're going to have problems against Mitchell. R- like they're going to look when they look up and all of a sudden, like they didn't look real small against Boston because Porzingis wasn't out there. Yes. But they're going to look up. And when it looks like it's Mitchell Robinson and it's, and it's, uh, Giannis RJ, and Brooke and Lopez. Yeah. I mean, like they're going to, now it's like, okay, unless we can get you in a real track meet and we're hitting a high percentage of yes. our threes, we're going to have a problem because, you know, and that was the impressive thing about the half-court basketball that the Pacers were able to play in their game. But, I mean, you're just, you're not getting enough track meets when it comes to the playoffs, you know? And the Pacers are going to need to, you know, they're going to have to deal with it too. Because again, they'll be a fun. They'll be a fun story. They're kind of like the, honestly, they kind of mirror the Kings in in many ways. Um, unbelievable point guard play. You know, got a bunch of good players, but you you can take advantage of their lack of size. I think because they play small. Mm-hmm. And man, that Sacramento team too little, too little. That, that, that I. It's one of those games. Where you could say, oh, this could have gone either way. I think the Pelicans could play the Kings 10 times and they'd beat them nine. We already Not have three, t- three times. <laughs> I know. And I think if they played them seven more times, there'd be the one where the Kings, you know, hit a bunch of threes. It's just a uniquely terrible matchup. The game Kevin Herter actually plays like regular season Kevin Herter. Right. It'd be a, I mean, it's just a bad matchup for them. Yeah, it really it's is. tough. Like so much length and so many different versatile defenders that can throw it. 
De'Aaron Fox. It's tough. It, it is a tough matchup for the Kings. And I mean, we'll see with New Orleans. It's going to be very interesting on Tuesday night. I, I'm stoked to go to the game. Lakers, Suns, after watching Bucks, Knicks. Might have to catch the end of that game at the arena at Crypto. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's going to be another. This is a great night. Well, great. And, and, look, and, and, and let me let me correct just one thing. I just don't. I don't. I, I'm well aware because I don't want the look. I'm saving you and me from the Kings fans. I'm aware that they just beat Denver. They all, uh, but to my point, they shot 47 percent from three. Yeah, no, that is that is <laughs> like, your point. That's the. That's what I'm talking yeah, about. And Denver's like, had, Denver that puts had a, a horrible lot, shooting night. That's, it puts a lot of pressure on you. Like, that's what I'm saying. You're going to have to do that. And, and they still gave up. Like, a what, high 100, volume. Right. 120 they still gave up in that game? I mean, yes. it's, it's like still a close game despite the shooting disparity where Denver shot that's like right. 20% from three and the Kings were like 45% or whatever it ended up being. Still a really close game. Right. No, but but I, I know that's going to come up because yeah. on Saturday they won that game, which is a great win. For sure. But like, bro, having to shoot 47% from three is an ask. <laughs> I, just, I just think, the, I, I, but the main thing is, I just think the Kings still deserve to be held at the championship standard. How do you take that next leap? That, that, is, that is what it's about. How do you take that next step so you're not just nice story that makes the playoffs? Because eventually that gets old and then you're just the team that can't get over the leap. So what are the things that you can do now in order to take, take that next step? Because you have a special talent in the Aaron Fox. He is special even though he wasn't tonight he's a special talent how do you take advantage of that player there's moves that they need to make with their remaining assets that they have and some of the tradable salaries that they have and i thought as we've talked about i think we covered every angle with them i mean i'm sure there's plenty else we'll talk about over the course of the season but um the kings have some work to do in order to take the the next step this season all right, we're obviously going to be watching these on Thursday night. We'll be out in Las Vegas doing the live show on Woo! Wednesday night. I'm and so then, excited to see you, Chris. Yeah, Let's go. And, then, and then watching these on Thursday night. Mm -hmm. I, you're going to love this. I like the Pelicans in either matchup. I do. <laughs> oh, look at I do. these jerseys behind me. I know. Zion Kevin O'Pelican. <laughs> I, uh, I like them in either of the matchups. I do. Yeah. I think the size will be a real problem for Phoenix. And I think that the, uh, I don't think the Lakers have enough, like as currently constituted. Because you're just going to have to have a massive home run effort out of Davis to get past Phoenix. Well, I, I picked the Suns to win on Tuesday, so I'm with you. But Lakers oh, have well, a I guess, though. hey, hey, guess one of us is a real Pelicans fan. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be there in my uh, hey, I'll, I'll be there in my Alvarado jersey on Thursday. <laughs> you see, uh, Alvarado had the the steal from behind in the first half. Grand Theft Auto Alvarado on the day the trailer for Grand Theft Auto Six came out. Pretty cool. They say it's amazing. I haven't watched I the trailer wait. yet. Yeah, is the, the trailer, trailer amazing? The trailer looks fun. Yeah, it looks it's looks really fun. Twenty twenty five, it comes out. So got to wait oh, a while. Really? For it. Yeah, 2025. It's not coming out until. Oh gosh. I know. Isn't it crazy? They're announcing a game. <laughs> it's not even 24 yet. It's never mind. 25. But yeah, it's uh, announcing the game already. That's crazy. I know the All game right. does well, look great though. Hopefully, it's going to be worth the wait. Well, we got those. Uh, we got the games going in tomorrow night. I I think I'll say. I guess Suns. I got Pelican Suns. I think it's going to be Pelican Suns. I think it'll be 
Bucks, Pacers. Okay, I picked the Knicks to upset the Bucks and the Suns over the Lakers. That was those were my picks before. I'll stick with them. Okay. All right. So you think it's going to be Suns Bucks in the end? Or no, no, Suns Knicks. Sun uh, Suns Pacers. I had in the finals. Yeah. Look that was my you. prediction. I'll stick with it. We'll see how okay. it goes. You still got a chance. Did you have the Kings beating the uh, Pelicans? Yes, I had the Kings beating the Pelicans tonight. Uh, I guess one yeah. of us is a real Pelicans fan. <laughs> you know, you know the reason why I picked that because like all the guys that just came back, I was like, eh, lack of chemistry tonight for the Pelicans. Kings get one at home, home intense crowd, but no, no. Pelicans look like they haven't stopped rolling. I'll tell you this. We come around to playoff time. The Kings will try to lose every game to avoid them in the playoffs if Mm, they have to. You don't want any of that. This is a bad deal for them. Bad deal. (laughs) All right, Kevin, I can't wait to see you. Uh, uh, We will reconvene out in Las Vegas, Nevada. I think a highly successful, highly entertaining first night of the in-season tournament knockout rounds. Hell yeah, baby. It was a lot of fun yep. tonight. I, I had a great time. Those are two really fun games. Oh, can I just say one thing real quick before we get yeah, out of sure. here? sure. I understand, and I know they're probably doing it. I, this was so good. It was such a good night for the NBA, such a good night for NBA fans and even casual fans that tuned it in. I know they must be trying to avoid the NFL, but Having those games on, the first game on at 4.15 Central, 5.15 East is just a massive disservice to NBA fans. And I say this as a father of two. I'm I'm going to be there, so it's not going to affect me. I would not be able to watch. I'm the biggest, uh, biggest NBA fan you can meet. I wouldn't be able to watch because I'd have to be doing carpool, and then you know one of the kids is going to have practice mm-hmm. afterwards. And then, like, I can't watch games at 4.15. A lot of people can't. I know. A lot of people can't. And and to have this whole big thing, and then, like, we're down to the last two games, and there's going to be... Just go up against the stupid Patriots. Nobody wants to watch that. (laughs) I know the ratings will be through the roof, but the over-under on that NFL game is 30. Gonna be disgusting to watch. And it's hopefully, gonna be and hopefully Mitch Trubisky versus Bailey Zappy, probably. <laughs> <laughs> well, what are we doing? Uh, Just go man. up against it with Zion and LeBron or Zion and Booker or whatever the hell we're doing. Yeah, it's gonna be a gross game. Yeah, I just they should have made them prime time. They should have. Mm-hmm. I I, w- I really wish the NBA would have done right by that and made those games prime time. Yeah. Because being them, you know, starting that one in the middle of the day, that's no good. It's no good. All right. Just wanted to say that. I'm sure you'll have somebody from the NBA texting me, apologizing, and <laughs> saying, we'll fix it next year, Chris. Um, Speaking the, into existence, Chris. I spoke, the, I helped spoke, speak the tournament into existence. You can Kevin speak connected. Better, You can speak better scheduling into existence. That's what I'm going to do. I wouldn't be able to watch it, NBA. I love you, but I wouldn't be able to watch it. Well, thankfully, you'll so be there. So that's ridiculous. Thankfully, you'll I'm be gonna there. Be, but I, mean, I am going to be there. I am going to be there. All right. Thank you to our executive producer, Jesse Lopez, as always. Kevin, I'll see you in Las Vegas. See you in Vegas, Chris and Jesse.
Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step 53342 in Arizona. Call 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. Call one 800 with it in Indiana. Call 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. Call 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia. Call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts. Or call one 877 8 hope ny or text hope ny in new york